Hello and welcome to the Grove Church Podcast. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and we are so glad that you're joining us. Whether you are a member and you're just catching up on a sermon that you missed or you're someone who's brand new, we are really glad that you are joining us. And if you are new in some way, and I know that a lot of people will do that, will listen to sermons first before they visit, I want you to know that we would love to meet you at any point. You can join us live in our services on Sunday, 9 and 1030, or our streaming service at 1030. Either way, we would love to be able to get to know you. And regardless of why you are here uh, listening to this sermon today, thank you so much for joining us. All right. Well, hey, welcome. Good morning. I'm Mark, uh, executive pastor here, and I'm excited to to worship together and um, look a little bit further into this life of Paul. I get the privilege of the morning that we're talking about is persecutions. Uh, So... Joy, welcome, welcome to the to the Grove Church. The encouraging message this morning. It, no, I really think it will be. I think that um, diving into this a little bit deeper is really one of the things for me in in my personal life and journey that uh, it's really helpful to look at life in in reality and in truth. And this, what the implications are of that song we just sang, where we're saying he's the only, and uh, we love our life, whatever it means that we would do with our life in response to him being the only and in his great love and sacrifice for us, like um, just looking at that in truth and uh, not trying to sugarcoat it or anything else, but just calling it what it is and calling life what it is, I think is one of the most encouraging things uh, for me, like I said, in my journey, because I, I feel like if you don't, then when you meet something and you realize something, you know, in life you make contact with or uh, as you try to process these truths, um, you hit a wall at some point where you're like, well, hold up, that doesn't jive with what I thought uh, this thing was all about. It's, there's something more here. And, um, and I think you have to look at Paul's life and start to ask that question, man, what, what's going on? And so I'm just going to ask some real simple questions this morning of it, um, of these persecutions that he endured. Um, but they're the kind of questions that you probably, like we all should probably be asking, <laughs> even though they seem like they have simple answers. Um, I think it'll be a, a good study for us. Uh, this last week was an interesting week for me. I turned 47, and uh, yeah, exactly, I don't know if that deserves a woo or a woo, or a, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I, uh, I told some friends that, you know, you know, these different anniversaries and birthdays, some of them are the, the diamond anniversary or the gold year, like, you know, those kinds of things. I think this was the, maybe the cubic zirconian, you know, like the, the one that's like kind of, eh? I mean, I'm not 50, that's a big one. Sure, not 40, and it's just kind of something. I'm something, 47, something. Um, and so I reminisced a little bit this week, just uh, seeing some different pictures and things and thinking about life. And um, it is crazy the way I'll see a picture and... In my mind, that was two years ago, and then I really start doing the math. Oh, man, that was 15 years ago. That was, that was 20 years ago. Man, life and time is just, is just flying by. And, um, and then also, you know, I'm, I'm old enough at this point where I got some, I got some things. You know, I got, a, I got a shoulder that's just not right. had a crick in my neck the last couple of weeks, and I'm not sure if it's the shoulder or the way that I slept or, or what, but this, this shoulder over here is pretty messed up. Terry wants me to get it worked on, but I do not want to do that. Uh, probably the biggest thing I got this, I got this thumb, this thumb on my right hand, and um, for some reason it has taken the blunt of all the things in my life. 
from football back in the day. This, this thumb just got mangled, and I'm pretty sure, I guess, that broken in the joint, and then it, it healed, but it healed all whopper-jawed. Anybody else use the word whopper-jawed? Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I see that hand. Uh, and so the doctor said they have to re-break it to fix it, which I'm not going to do that either, so I'm just going to have a, a crazy knuckle. But then there's also all the nerve endings on the front side of this thumb are just dead because when, uh, when our family lived in Asia, we hadn't been there very long. And uh, I went to get uh, ice cream, a glass ice cream cup out of the freezer for Terry, which uh, you shouldn't do getting a, a glass cup out of a freezer that's frozen to the thing. Uh, she couldn't break it loose, and so I started trying to break it loose, and I, I turned it and forced it a little bit too hard. And when I did that, the glass broke and just slit that thumb way down deep. And, uh, and so then I'm in the bathroom, and, man, it's trying to clean it up, and blood's just going everywhere. And the, the nurse that was in the, this little village town that we were in, uh, she said to put super glue on it, which would be great. We didn't have super glue for one. Uh, but then also her husband brought some super glue over and it didn't do anything at all. Like you put the super glue on it and just keep on. And so he finally took me in the middle of the night to the railway workers free hospital. Um, so already, I mean, we're off the grid in a no name, a small village in Asia. And then now we're at the railway workers hospital, which if I could paint the scene, you know, I walk in and I'm with this veteran guy and I'm just trusting that he, like, this is just normal. This is just what you do in a situation like this. And he's acting like this is normal. Uh, but I walk in, and there's a doctor who can speak English pretty well. And then his patient currently is a railway worker who, I guess, got hit in the head by the train. And blood is going down his head. And they've got him wrapped up. And there's blood all over the hospital bed. And uh, the tools that he's using, he, he turns around and he puts them in some betadine beside the beside the ta the. the bed and then he tells that guy to leave and they bring me in and sit me on that bed and then he he starts to go to work on my thumb and he gets the 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 you know all the things and he starts to sew it up and I'm like man are you not gonna give me any painkiller or anything and he said no no no, you'll be good you, you you'll be good and so the first one hits and I'm like this is not I'm not good I'm actually not good right now and then he he keeps on going and he keeps on going and I'm not sure if it was the cut or that that killed all those nerve endings um the last one I, I just about passed out and the whole time I'm looking at this older this other guy like okay this is normal and he kept on looking back at me and the look on his face was hey yeah this is just what you got to do you know so I got it sewed up uh so then I'm walking out and he looks over at me and he goes uh, man, I can't believe you just did that. <laughs> Dude, like you could have told me. You could have told me that this was not normal because I was just thinking I'm going to have to toughen up. This is just the way it is. Um, so I got, I mean, I got some scars and some things uh, from different life experiences. But I have wondered, and, and I bet, uh, I would guess maybe you have too, if you have, if you have studied at all the life of Paul or, or read through Acts, and you have to wonder, like, what would it be like to hang out with this dude, you know? Y'all are sitting around a campfire telling stories about what's happened throughout his life. And, I mean, he's got, you know, scars on his, on his face from where he took rocks across his chin. You know, he's, he's been beaten multiple times. He's endured all kinds of crazy hardships. Uh, he's been whipped, you know. I mean, what would it look like if you decided that y'all were going to go swimming, you know? <laughs> It would be one of those moments where the dude takes off his shirt and everybody goes, whoa, you know. I mean, that, what would it be like to be with this, this dude, Paul? Um, 
We read this little section a few weeks ago, but I want to read it again because as we talk about the persecutions of his life, there's a real quick synopsis in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 I want to read for you. He says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers in uh, toil and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food in the cold and exposure. Um, it's just difficult not to read through that and catch all of the, man, danger, 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 danger. <laughs> um, and if we're honest, we're like, oh, I didn't think that this Jesus thing was supposed to be dangerous. Is it? I mean, evidently for, for this cat, like following Jesus was, was dangerous, <laughs> right? It, it led him right into a life that brought a lot of dangers his way. And I, I just think a lot of times at, at church, we, we don't necessarily talk about that, or maybe we do, um, but we don't bring direct attention to it, or maybe in our personal study, we're tempted to, to skip past passages like this, where we have to come face to face with the fact that sometimes, most of the time, maybe all the time, there's even one verse we'll look at today, uh, life actually gets more difficult, and this Jesus that we follow doesn't invite us to a life of ease and comfort, but he invites us, encourages us, empowers us towards a life that is um, a reckless abandon and, and dangerous. And uh, so you take a life of a guy like this, and you're like, man, what do, I even, what do I even do with that? You know, it feels like we act a lot like you do on an airplane. You know, I, it's crazy to me. If you really stop and think about it, when you step from, you know, the, the, the airport and you, you step onto this massive air airplane, especially those ones, it's, it's crazy to me, the ones that, that fly across oceans, that, man, those huge engines, and sometimes they're triple-decker planes with all these people, and you think about all that weight, and somehow that thing is going to get off the ground and hurl my body through the sky at crazy speeds over, over oceans and war zones and all kinds of things into this other place. And I'm just okay with that, you know. I don't, don't think twice about it. Um, and then somebody gets up front and starts talking about the safety precautions in case we were to land in the water or in case something were to happen. And you look around and everybody's just kind of checked out. They're not, they're not listening at all, giving full warning that hey, there is a possibility that this thing could go down. Um, but those, those truths we don't want to even, even think about. So we just, we just pass right by them. Um, I've even, so far, uh, I was uh, on staff of the church at one point in our, in our story, and one of the key leaders went so far as to, to teach that if, if you do, if you, if you follow Jesus, that there's a promise of no hardships, no pain, no sickness, no, none of that, that if you're doing it right, that, there won't, that they, on this planet and this life, uh, you'll experience that kind of ease. And I saw that do crazy amounts of harm 
when the people that were buying in then experienced hardships and they didn't know what to do with it because, oh, I thought, I thought this was a, a trade-off I made that, that Jesus was going to make everything rosy. And he just never made that promise. And if you look at a guy like Paul who went all in, you see it. He's, Jesus is with him. But the journey is difficult and dangerous. And um, it makes me uh, ask this question. And you may have never asked this, but it's one that from, from the beginning has been a question for me. How is it that sharing good news could get you killed? I mean, really. I mean, we're talking about that and this, these hardships, but remember, what, what is this guy doing? He's, he's going around and he's telling people that there's hope. He's giving a message of, of freedom and of forgiveness of, of a God that, that loves them, of a Jesus that, that laid down his life and came back to life. I'm like, all of that, what part of that? Is, is hurtful, harmful, uh, oppressive news. It's all, it's all good news. So why is it that good news would get you killed? You know, if, I, uh, if we were talking, I know there's a lot of also fellow taco lovers in the room. If I were to say, hey, there's this, there's this new taco place in town, and I really like it a lot, your first response to that would be, oh, man, well, cool, uh, another taco place, that's great. And then if we talked a little bit further and I said, man, I think, I think this may be the taco place. Well, now that, that gets a little bit more offensive, right? Because you got a taco place and you're pretty confident that your taco place is the best taco place. So now I've not just made a statement of there's another good taco place in northwest Arkansas. I've said there's a, a taco place that may be superior to your taco place. And then if I go next level and I say, man, I think it may be the best. It may be the, like the only, like everything else is just subpar to this taco place. Well, I've given you good news. There's a taco place that you may also enjoy the tacos from. But I have now made that taco place superior to your taco place, which makes you feel like I've made an offensive statement towards you because I have, uh, you know, said something negative about your taco place that you love because you've had tacos there for a long time and like them. And that's what tends to happen with good news that we, we share with one another. If, if I say I like it and it's just another thing, that's fine. But if I say, man, there's something really special. There's something so significant that makes it stand alone. If this Jesus is the only way, then uh, it becomes offensive. I've always been uh, just something that I've noticed. I, uh, I've talked often here about uh, love that I have for coffee. And so I'll be talking to somebody, and they'll lead out in a conversation and say, hey, uh, I know you're a coffee snob, but, and then they'll say whatever, whatever they think about the coffee. It actually happened this week. We had a, a church staff retreat, and I got accused of being a coffee snob again. And this time, I decided to defend myself. I said, I am not. I don't know what you define. What does that mean? What, is, what does it mean to you? If you call somebody a snob with something, what does it mean to call them a snob? I don't. I don't think I'm a snob. I, 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 like, I like coffee. I do like it. I like it. I, I think that it hurts it if you put sugar in it, so I, I like it without milk and sugar. Uh, I, I had 
a business uh, deal that ended up, I got to go to places where you source coffee and be a part of that and around people who have I've learned enough about it that I kind of know some things about what makes something good and what makes something bad. I'll still drink McDonald's. I won't drink Crockle Barrel, and that's the thing I get shot at the most for. <laughs> but I, it's not that I won't drink it or that I'm telling you that you're bad for drinking it and putting your milk and sugar in it. That's fine. I just, uh, you know, I, I, I like it. Uh, and I like to talk about it because I think it's a very interesting topic and it's a very interesting thing. Um, but something about it makes it feel like, well, man, now I've got to defend myself a little bit. Like, like I'm going to say something about coffee that's, that you're not going to like. And so I've got to lead out with, hey, I know that you're this, but this. And so something about the thing that I love or some things that you love makes somebody else feel uncomfortable. It's crazy how good news works like that. And so here we've got a section I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at and really bring our focus to today um, in 2 Timothy, where Paul is talking to his, uh, his boy Timothy. Uh, he's, he's talking about his life, and uh, he's talking about some of these persecutions, and he brings up three different cities that some persecutions happen. And I want to bring attention to those three different cities and kind of look at those stories. So uh, this is 2 Timothy, beginning in verse 10 of chapter 3. You, however, have followed my teaching my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from all of them the Lord rescued me. And then this crazy statement he makes, indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. A, a promise. Paul says, hey, you've, you've been with me, Tim. You've seen what, life is, what this life is like uh, when I go all in. And you've seen my conduct, my way of life, and you've also seen that these persecutions happen. And there's just a reality that those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, that not all will appreciate it. You know, I was thinking about this. It's, it's both the, the verbal message uh, that can be offensive but then also, isn't it just true, like, if you make a decision for you that, you know, maybe it's the new year and you've got a new year's resolution and, and you're going to start eating better and exercising or doing something that's, that's good for you. And you start to do that uh, and people around you will go, good for you. But if you do it very long, then they start to look at themselves and they know that they should probably also do that, but they're not doing it. And so then there's some jealousy or some animosity that starts to grow in them and they start to, it's the way people work. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> you make a decision that's good for you and it makes other people feel uncomfortable. I mean, all that desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, there is going to be a response of the other people when we're ver verbal about that. And if we just follow him in this way, an all out, not half-hearted, all in, full on kind of way, so let's look at these three cities. This, this first one, he was in Antioch, and uh, he and Barnabas, they went to the synagogue and were asked to speak, and, and they really did. Man, he walks through the full story and really explains who Jesus is, why he's the Messiah. He invites them to respond, um, says that it's a message of freedom and forgiveness and uh, and that the people loved it so much that they begged him to speak again the next week. And so they come back the next week, and the whole city is gathered to hear this message. But the Jewish leaders, it says, get jealous. And they begin to contradict what Paul is saying and stir up trouble. 
And so in verse, I mean, chapter 13 of Acts, it says this, And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. Uh, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. So there was a joy that it brought, this message. And, the glo- and they were glorifying the Lord. Uh, and the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. They were telling other people. But the Jews incited uh, the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city and stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. And they, but they shook, their, uh, shook off the dust of their feet against them and went to Iconium, the next city. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So then they move on and they get to Antioch. And in Antioch, they did the same thing. They went to the synagogue. And a great number of people believe, it says. And again, the Jewish leaders, same thing happens again. They begin to, to stir up trouble. And so it says this about Iconium. So they remained there for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, and they learned of it, they fled to Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country, and, they, uh, and there they continued to preach the gospel. Uh, if you catch that, they, they continued to preach the gospel. They, they, people were, were planning to throw rocks at them and trying to kill them, and they couldn't shut them up. They, they, they kept on. And so then they moved from Iconium to Lystra, and in Lystra, uh, Paul tells a man that's crippled from birth that he, should, that he can stand up. And so he jumped up and started walking around. That's a great thing, right? A, a, a guy gets healed. And, uh, and the crowd, they see this, and they begin to worship Paul and Barnabas and act like they're deity. And so Paul and Barnabas are like, no, 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 we're not. No, we're not. There is one that made this happen and that has power, but we're not him. Well, then they turn on him. <laughs> Um, and it says, but the, in, verse, in verse 19 of chapter 14, but the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, those last two cities, and having persuaded the crowds, they were so angry, they were getting everybody to get angry against this person. And remember now, this message of freedom, a guy that has been crippled from birth is now walking around, like, right? All, all really good stuff. Um, But persuading the crowds, they stoned Paul. They dragged him out of the city, supposed that he was dead. So they they left him for dead outside of the city. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. (laughs) Oh, boy, went back in the city. (laughs) That's the city he had just gotten stoned. Now they left him for dead, and now he's going back into that place. I don't understand. Man, it's crazy. Um, And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, returned into Iconium, into Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them in their faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of heaven. Say what? So every place he's been, this wonderful good message has been received by some. And then by others, it's been offensive. This, uh, this is actually, uh, I believe it's in Isaiah that even, this is, this is just the truth of the message of the gospel. It is received with joy by some and then offensive to others. It's, it's that kind of message. There's no in-between, <laughs> I kind of like it, or I kinda, it's, either, it's either yes or, 
or no, that, that's offensive. And he turns around and goes right back in to these same places again. And so this is the second question it brings up for me. If, if good news is not always well received, should we share it? I mean, if, if we know that it's, that it's going to be offensive, is, is it something that we should, we should talk about? If, if it might offend a friend, a family member, um, someone at, at your workplace, if this is going to be an offensive message? Because we all know that right now, in our culture right now, uh, man, one of the highest values is to make sure that we're not offending anybody. I noticed this morning, which just seems like this is happening nearly every day, but some celebrity did something that offended or said something in somebody, and so now they're being held accountable. And the one today was uh, Emily Blunt, the British actress. Anybody see this? She, uh, 10 years ago on a talk show, she uh, was talking about being on set somewhere in the States, and they went to a Chili's, and everybody, especially the waitress, was overweight. And so she was kind of making the statement that Americans are overweight. And, uh, and now they're holding her accountable to it. And she came out and said, man, I'm sorry. I was completely wrong to say that. Yes, you were. That was a bad thing to say. That was an offensive thing to say. Um, this is not saying something of offensive, going after somebody to say something that's offensive. This is saying something that's, that's beautiful and true, but does have some really big implications. And so when somebody comes to tell you something that's, that's true, even if it's hard to hear, is it right for them to do that? I don't ever plan on uh, running a marathon. Uh, I, at one point I thought maybe, but now I've completely decided that's just not in my cards. Um, but one of the reasons, I got a buddy who I've seen pictures. He ran a marathon without training very well, didn't have the right shoes, didn't have the right clothes, hadn't really prepared to run that far. And the picture of him crossing the finish line uh, he had worn one of those dry fit shirt kind of things. And, you know, those things are pretty uh, abrasive. And, uh, as he, and it was white. And as he crossed the finish line, uh, it rubbing the whole time, uh, there was just blood rolling down the front of his shirt. And I was like, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. And if he came up to me and said, hey, if you're going to run a marathon, don't wear one of these shirts, maybe I wanted to wear one of those shirts. And that's offensive, but I'm really glad that he told me. The same thing happens with pets for, for your kids. Parents, you understand this. Uh, I have purchased uh, hamsters and fish and dogs. And uh, here recently, the twins wanted something, and we, don't, we had too much, you know. So the betta fish, we were going to give into that, which means now when you have twins, i got to buy two betta fish. i got to buy two aquariums because they can't be in the same aquarium together. They'll kill each other. Jack's really worried about that. He's afraid that they are going to jump out of their, their tanks and, like, start fighting. Um, so we got these two separate tanks, and we got all these things. And as we're checking out at the PetSmart Pet store, the lady says, hey, kind of whispers over to us. And she's like, hey, if they die before 14 days, you can come back in and we'll give you another one. Happens all the time. <laughs> so here I am walking out with my, you know, my nine-year-old twins, my, my little girl. I know this isn't going to end well. I was told it's not going to end well. <laughs> we are well aware that these, these fish are not going to last very long. And sure enough, this week that fish died. So now i got a crying little girl that I knew was going to happen when we went to the pet store to begin with. Just like when you tell your kid, he says, oh, yeah, get, daddy, get us a dog. Get us a dog. I'll take care of the dog. I'll feed the dog. I'll clean up after the dog. I'll, you ain't going to do nothing. 
for about two weeks. And then the minute that dog's not a puppy anymore, even just a little bit, I'm going to be cleaning it all up. It's happened over and over again, but I'm just a glutton for punishment. Keep on going back to it. If I tell a young dad, don't do that, guess what? You're going to do it too. <laughs> You're not going to take the, the, my, my words of advice. Yeah, when, there's, when there is something true, something that you know, something that would help somebody, they're headed to a path of destruction. There's hope for something better, and you've got good news. Man, we can't, we can't hold it in, even if it might not be, be well-received. And then the last thing, look at Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4. It's just interesting to me. This is another place, uh, and this is a repeated thought through these last few weeks, and repeated uh, not because we're, me, I'm trying to, like, repeat it, but because in these different sections where Paul talks about his life, this is one of those core things that just keeps on coming up. How is it possible that this guy would live a life like this. Well, look what he says. For it is all for your sake, so that grace extends the, uh, to more and more people. It may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart, even through all of this that we've talked about. We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look to, not to things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So uh, we talked about this last week, but it's just so clear. The thing that, that makes the difference is the way that these guys are looking at life, the way Paul is looking at life is in truth. Like I said, I, I look back over things that I thought happened a long time ago or that happened just the other day, and they were a long time ago because life really is a vapor. It really is passing by so fast, and we would miss it to think that that's what it's about. And when there's this reality of an eternity and of a Jesus that made it possible for us to be in relationship with a holy God and have eternity with him, that's true. If it's true, then it compels us. Man, we look at life with eternal eyes. We look at these hardships in light of eternity. We look at life and our friendships and relationships in light of something much bigger than just our safety and comfort. And, you know, I think, I think for me, one of the, the big turning points, uh, I've told you before, there was a really close friend of mine that uh, I guess I was about 20, 21, 22, and he was 20 years old, and he died in a, in a drowning accident. And in um, going to that funeral... At that point in my life, I had grown up around the church. I had definitely and did believe and experience that Jesus was real. I had experienced the, the benefits of trying to walk in his ways, but I had mostly uh, kept it to myself. And now to think about, yeah, this life, whether it's 20 or 80 years, this life is really short. 
and that it matters. This message, if it's true, then it matters. It may make some people in my life uncomfortable at times, but it doesn't change the fact that it's true. And I have to live it. And I have to talk about it. It's too, it's too important to keep to myself. I don't know if, that, if that's clicked in your heart. I, I'm going to pray here that, that God would do something in us. Because there are a lot of people on the outside circles of the relationships in this room who desperately need this message of truth. May not be received with joy, but for sure with some it will be. And we get the privilege to be a part of proclaiming this incredible God who is the only, who is the best. Father, I, uh, I do, I recognize that this morning that there is no other this is not a, uh, a shelf with a lot of different options. And, Father, it is, it, is just, it is just you in the way that you've made it possible to be right with you. And this incredible good news of, of grace and mercy and, and freedom and life. And, uh, Father, I thank you that we get to both experience all of that today, your, your presence with us. And also that we, we, get to, we get to journey with you down some really difficult paths and some, uh, some difficult conversations and, and some difficult things in this life because you love not just us, but you, you love the people around us. You love the people distant from us. And Father, you allow us to be a part of that with you. And I just ask that you would fill us with, with boldness, that you would fill us with courage that you would fill us with that, uh, that deep belief that you are the only, the only hope, the only hope for us and the only hope for the people around us. And so, um, Father, would you do that to your glory? Amen. Thanks again for joining us on our sermon podcast. And you can learn more about us at thegrovechurch.org. And if you go to thegrovechurch.org slash connect, there's a form you could fill out. Just let us know that you've been listening. And if you want to dig deeper on some of these topics that we cover on our sermon podcast or just in other issues of dealing with culture or theology, those kinds of things, uh, you can check out our Cultivate podcast, which is on the same feed, um, however you found this particular podcast. So again, this is Charlie, the lead pastor at The Grove, and thank you so much for joining us.